a consumer goods client of ours built a very detailed agent-based model, which effectively models the behavior of individual agents, which can be customers, competitors, suppliers, even regulators. And effectively what this model does is it allows these agents to interact. And what happens is unpredictable behavior actually emerges from the system. So it's a little bit, you know, another example of this, a very timely example is in epidemiology. So how individuals act leads to collective emergent behavior. And what they used this agent-based modeling for was effectively to understand the demand for different types of products based on customer search patterns, customer buying patterns, etc. From McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. Nick Northcote, one of our presenters today, just described how advanced analytics can help companies model future customer and competitor behaviors to develop more effective strategies. But that's only one application. There are many other ways that analytics is revolutionizing strategy. And that's exactly what we will explore on today's podcast. Now I'd like to introduce our guests. Nick is based in Brussels and for several years has helped lead McKinsey's research on strategic decision-making. He's the co-author of a recent article titled the Strategy Analytics Revolution. Sagi Davidovich is the co-founder and CEO of Spark Beyond, a McKinsey partner company that operates an AI-driven analytics platform. And Sasha Vasuvala is an associate partner based in our Toronto office who leads a lot of our work around using advanced analytics on strategy and growth-related questions. She will take us through an example of how one company applied AI-driven insights to shape their future business investments. Nick, let's start with you with a question that many strategists are likely asking themselves right now. Are computers really going to take over the process of developing strategy from executives? Look, strategy development is always going to require creative and thoughtful executives to set aspirations as well as to make bold choices. However, we really believe there's an opportunity to bring more science to the art, so to speak, with advanced analytics. Advances in digital analytics have transformed the way businesses operate, from marketing and pricing to customer service and manufacturing. um, Advanced analytics is central to many corporate functions. However, um, the same cannot yet be said for strategy. And we see four ways that companies are using analytics in their strategy setting processes. The first is to identify early stage trends. So companies are using AI engines to track in near real time the evolution of trends that matter to their businesses, right? Based on news alerts, investment data, patent filings, et cetera. And they use this data to decide when to trigger strategic moves related to those trends. The second application is around identifying new growth opportunities. And here the idea is that once again, Artificial intelligence can be used to complement traditional brainstorming methods in the opportunity search phase of the strategy process, effectively enabling companies to reveal what we call non-obvious growth opportunities. For example, granular areas where competitors are present, but they're not, potential acquisition targets, or even applications, new applications for products and services already in their portfolio. The third application is about reducing bias in decision-making. By using historical data on both the strategic moves and performance of thousands of companies, 
companies can actually calibrate the likelihood of a strategy succeeding based on this historical data before allocating resources. Um, and a simple example would be if you're planning a transformative merger, knowing that 70% of large acquisitions uh, in the last decade actually destroyed value could be helpful, right? It would give you a fact base to challenge and stress test the plan with questions like, what makes us different? Are we overestimating returns or synergies, right? And what will it take to get execution right? Really giving the investment the best opportunity of succeeding. And finally, the fourth way we see companies using advanced analytics in strategy is to anticipate complex market dynamics, right? With tools such as agent-based modeling, you know, to understand how the actions of customers, competitors, regulators, et cetera, will combine to affect demand, supply, and the prices of um, their products and services, companies are able to extract, as we mentioned, proprietary insights uh, with these tools. Sagi, your company has developed an AI tool to mine online information for insights about trends, product applications, and business ideas. What opportunity did you see and were you pursuing when you decided to build Spark Beyond? Yeah, so I think we're really, we live in a really exciting times because less than a decade ago, it would be borderline impossible to build a machine that mines the web, right? Uh, we think about hundreds of billions of, uh, of uh, pages, all sorts of documents from patents, clinical trials, news publications, and uh, Wikipedia and many others while actually embracing the fact that the web is imperfect. It's full of biases, contradictions, outdated information, partial information, etc., as well as inconsistencies in format. So how do we build a machine that can read the web, connect the dots, synthesize uh, insights, answers to very complex research questions, and basically create coherent, holistic, data-driven decision support output based on all these. So that was the, uh, the, the journey that we started a couple of years ago. The, the partnership with, uh, with McKinsey actually helped us almost on a weekly basis discover uh, an entirely new universe of, uh, of uh, applications. And can you talk about the types of problems or questions clients have used Spark Beyond to address? Uh, anything from introducing circularity into production and manufacturing processes by discovering novel applications to existing chemicals or existing products, to discovering root causes of uh, outcomes by connecting the dots between, by actually discovering cause and effect relationships uh, that, uh, that exist on the web. Also in, a, in our work with, uh, with pharma companies, there is a fascinating application about discovering pathways from a certain gene to a certain disease, while the result may not appear in any single scientific article, if you connect the dots, you can actually discover the path and through this uh, uncover those serendipitous discoveries. Uh, a, a totally different world related to SDGs and sustainability is related to uh, fighting the climate crisis, discovering how to drive uh, sustainable agriculture, as well as fighting child detention through our uh, pro bono work with NGOs and, uh, and governments. The universe of application, when you think about when you have the web in a box, is quite unlimited. Thanks, Sagi. And Sasha, I believe you recently worked with a client that used their analytics platform to answer some very specific strategic questions. What exactly were you trying to solve? Um, I think as, as Sagi mentioned, there's, there's a lot that this, this kind of an approach can help achieve. 
uh, I'll share a little bit of context of this specific situation. Uh, the client here was a private equity-owned materials specialist company. Now, as you imagine this company, uh, think of them having a host uh, of incredibly talented technical people uh, across the organization, an incredibly capable R&D team. But what they were struggling to do, or, or the next big challenge for them was growth. And growth, frankly, coming from any direction, organic or inorganic. An interesting question was, hey, we know XYZ applications and therefore ABC customer segments uh, for the materials that we focus on. But, you know, frankly, this world is evolving so rapidly. Are there applications out there that we just don't know? Niche applications, as well as uh, things that are perhaps in completely different customer segments that we just don't know. If you think about it from the client standpoint, this presents an opportunity uh, potentially for margin accretive growth because it may not require significant R&D investment. It doesn't require a lot of manufacturing changes and capabilities essentially milking your materials and your know-how uh, for all it's worth and potentially opening up new customer segments and new revenue streams. This is an incredibly fragmented space. So there are lots of specialists in individual materials. So how do we even identify the universe of potential acquisition targets or partnerships for us to explore uh, without it being uh, based on know-how and you know someone's phone book? Okay. So they saw an opportunity to use advanced analytics both to look for new applications for their existing materials, as well as for potential targets that could bring those applications to the business. So how did this client envision using the platform to get those answers? I do want to underscore that uh, we do not believe that this is a, a technology-driven answer only. Uh, what we believe is when it's an expert plus machine or a human plus machine approach, where the human continues to apply judgment, that's when the money really comes through and you you get ideas that make a lot of sense. Now, I don't want to go into the guts of this particular problem statement, but what this helped us do, as an example, was identify certain materials, uh, as an example, nano diamond, which became of you know great interest uh, to this particular client. Those were spaces that they additionally wanted to explore as well as certain technologies, processes uh, that made sense for them uh, to get a head start on uh, or perhaps invest deeper on. They may have been considering them already, uh, but invest deeper on and go into. So what this helped us do was identify a few leading trends uh, that were relevant for that client. So think of it as being able to do thousands of expert calls on steroids in minutes. And the idea is that as long as there's information out there, the machine, because it can read incredibly fast and it reads at the level of a first year university student or at least a high school graduate, but it just reads incredibly fast. If the information is out there, it will find answers for you. So a, a super fast uh, university student to scour the entire web. That sounds pretty cool. But what exactly does this AI driven platform do that's different from regular online searches, aside from the speed? So the way it differs from your traditional Google search or, or any other web search is it's not going to return to you individual links that you need to click through, uh, but it's actually going to return answers. So we'd actually select which all sources are important for us. Uh, we could say, you know, focus only on patents or focus only on patents and publications if you're interested in something that's coming from a scientific basis. 
I see. So, so what happened next with this client? So the next important question for them was, hey, what are these used for? Uh, and can you help me understand which of those applications might be interesting? There were just under 10,000 odd applications for the uh, seven, eight materials that we picked. And obviously, I mean, 10,000 is too much, right? This, this, this almost becomes overwhelming uh, when you look at it. But as an example, uh, what they'd not considered were biomedical applications for their products. In a matter of days to weeks, what we're able to do is uncover some of these segments, which do require uh, you know, validation and, uh, and classic expert inputs as well, just to make sure that these are indeed real. Uh, but we were able to come up with somewhere in the vicinity of 30, 35 ideas uh, that the client thought were relevant uh, and wanted to take forward and is currently in the process of evaluating. What we were also able to do was across these seven, eight products, just ask the platform who produces these products. So are there potentially partners and acquisition targets out there for us? And again, what we could do on first pass was generate a long list of 1800 plus pro uh, producers globally. Uh, including in some markets that they were interested in making inroads in inorganically, particularly in Asia. And, and around what percentage of the applications that the client focused on were actually new and currently available? I'd say even conservatively, 60 to 70% of the ones that we ended up prioritizing were net new. They had not considered them in the past. Now, the source of all these insights, what's important to remember is the information's on the web. So it is in some patent or some journal. That's really interesting. Thanks, Sasha. Now let's move on to another area where advanced analytics helps with strategy development. Nick, take us through how executives can use some of these tools to reduce the bias in their strategic decisions. I know this is an area that you've personally focused on and are quite passionate about. Sure. One of the biggest difficulties with strategy is the fact that it's a process involving people. <laughs> it's, um, you know, human behavior whether conscious or not, often gets in the way of good strategic choices being made and implemented. And this is what we call the social side of strategy, right? And there, there are two parts to this. So the first is the fact that strategy is the wrong problem for human brains, right? We're dealing with novel decisions under uncertainty, and this is fertile ground for cognitive bias. And the types of cognitive bias include everything from an overconfidence in our ability, anchoring on the recent past, being overly optimistic or worse, unnecessarily risk averse. And these biases can lead to us forming skewed judgments and making suboptimal choices. The second part of the social side uh, is that strategy is exactly the right problem for what we call human games, right? Ultimately, everyone has their own incentives, financial, career, emotional, and strategy discussions often become about a battle for resources. Getting a plan approved is more important than debating assumptions or alternatives. Right. So how can advanced analytics help overcome some of these human biases? In three words, the outside view. So this idea was originally proposed by a world-famous psychologist and Nobel laureate, Daniel Kahneman, and he's equally brilliant a research partner, uh, Amos Versky. And they noticed what they called the planning fallacy. And this is the fact that even the most experienced planners were overly optimistic in their forecasts for many of the reasons mentioned before. For example, when building a business plan for a capital project or an acquisition, you know, even experienced estimators underestimate costs, overestimate revenues or synergies, and therefore overestimate returns. And what Kahneman and Tversky argued, and then proved, by the way, 
was that by complementing project-specific projections or these business cases with external data from a distribution of outcomes for similar cases, one can help combat this over-optimism. And this can be done in strategy too, right? So by studying historical data from thousands of companies, data that describes the strategies and the in strategic initiatives of these companies and their performance, you know, there is a way to actually understand the likelihood of a strategy succeeding before allocating resources to it based on this historical data. And what this view can give you is it can reveal either that your plans are too optimistic. In other words, few companies have achieved it in the past, which you can use as a, you know, sort of a fact base to motivate for bigger, bolder moves to meet your aspiration or alternatively reduce the performance expectations of the board. Got it. So, you know, saying that you've got a hockey stick forecast, but no big moves to drive it uh, or to back it up when you've got a a fact base uh, that says that no one else has been able to drive that hockey stick performance without making the big moves is probably pretty helpful. So can you give us an example of how the strategic expectations might actually be adjusted based on this kind of review of past performance? You know, if you are a large company with a target to grow economic profit by $100 million per year, your base rate, or what we know from the data, is that only 35% of of large companies actually manage to achieve that level of performance. If we then overlay conditions and more information, so for example, if we told you that companies that implemented programmatic M&A strategies, so were serial acquirers, or achieve top quintile uh, productivity improvement, you know, their odds went, you know, were 1.5 times um, higher. So it went from the 35% to the 52% chance or probability of achieving that performance target. So this provides you with a fact base by which to calibrate your strategy and to then challenge the organization to be more bold, to improve the chances of, of meeting the performance aspiration. It can be extended to literally hundreds of strategic and performance metrics relative to your, uh, re- relevant to your company and the specific initiatives that you have planned. So a multinational energy company that we served, they had an extremely ambitious profit growth target. And we used this outside view approach to show them that, you know, if you look at all of the companies with the same set of strategic moves over the last decade, right, only 10% had achieved the level of performance improvement that our client was targeting. In other words, the strategy was simply too timid. There weren't enough, what we would call big strategic moves, right? There wasn't enough CapEx being spent. They had a big digitization and productivity improvement program, but it was in line with the kinds of improvements that are achieved by the industry median company rather than the top quintile performer on productivity gains. And they were relying on growth that was largely organic rather than, once again, serial acquisitions or a programmatic approach to m and And the outcome of this was that, you know, it led the client to reassess the plan and search for, then go away and search for larger, bigger, bolder strategic moves, right? Which they then included in their next iteration to fundamentally improve their chances of achieving their performance aspiration. On the other extreme, we had an industrial client that had a very bold strategy with multiple, what we would call, again, big moves. In fact, the strategy was almost too bold, right? Only 5% of companies in our database of thousands had managed to successfully execute a plan like that in the last decade. So by highlighting the fact that this was such a stretch ambition, a one in 20 plan, 
we were able to demonstrate the importance of establishing a rigorous execution and performance management infrastructure for the delivery of the plan, right? And specifically, in their case, on capital capex execution. So they're now actually in the process of setting up this governance structure that you would typically see in a large operational transformation program, just to ensure that this strategy, you know, they give their strategy the best possible chance of, of success. And it's it's de-risking $8 billion of investment. So it's a material move. Well, that's no small sum, $8 billion. Um, let's maybe dive into one more application of analytics and strategy. You mentioned that these digital solutions, and, and we talked about this at the be we shared this at the beginning of the podcast, that these digital solutions can also allow companies to understand and model out complex market dynamics. So how does that work? Basically, you know, this is a, a bit of a catch-all for anything related to either forecasting or understanding uh, competitive dynamics, demand and supply in the market. AI engines that uh, your uh, clients use to forecast demand is one example. Another example, which I'm particularly fond of, is this concept of agent-based modeling. So a client of ours built a a very detailed um, agent-based model, which effectively models the behavior of individual agents, which can be customers, competitors, suppliers, even regulators. And effectively what this model does is it allows these agents to interact. And what happens is unpredictable behavior actually emerges from the system. So it's a little bit, you know, another example of this, a very timely example is um, in epidemiology is quite a, is similar, right? So how individuals act leads to, um, leads to collective emergent behavior. And what they used this agent-based modeling for was effectively to understand you know, the demand for different types of products based on customer search patterns, customer buying patterns, et cetera. And that's a consumer goods example. I've also seen the electric power companies do something similar with fewer agents, you know, 30 or 40 uh, players, regulators, customers, et cetera. That, that's another example. And then, you know, uh, wargaming, right? So this is becoming far more, also far more analytics driven the way of understanding how competitors will respond to different strategic moves. And by anticipating that, you know, how that would change decisions. And there again, I've seen a cement company considering a merger go through an exercise like that, analytics enabled, to really understand the impact of a low-cost entrant on pricing behavior in the market and leave us to overcome profit erosion. And it actually led to them proposing proposing a merger with another player in the market. Thank you. And uh, Sasha, Sagi, Nick, thank you all for this fascinating discussion. And thanks to everyone who listened today. We'll include a link to the article on which this conversation was partly based in the description or show notes of today's podcast. You can also find the transcript of our conversation on the Inside the Strategy Room page on mckinsey.com slash ITSR, where you can also easily explore, filter, and search our library of more than 50 previous episodes. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future podcast, please email us at insidethestrategyroom at mckinsey.com. Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest insights, you can sign up on our podcast collection page, again at mckinsey.com slash ITSR, or follow us on Twitter at MCK Strategy, or connect with us on LinkedIn on the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance LinkedIn page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the Strategy Room.